Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. It's a brand new Flyers Daily for Sunday, December 4th as the Flyers fall against the New Jersey Devils, a final score of 3-2. They outshoot the Devils 33-18. to They, it's amazing. That may have been, in a lot of ways, their best game performance, not result, obviously, but game performance of the entire season, and they come away with a loss. And when you have a trouble scoring goals in the NHL, when you can only score two goals a game, as has been the case over their last, I think, or 12 or 13 games, then that's oftentimes the result that's going to happen because in this league, you got to be able to score more than two goals. And when you can't, you have to play pretty much perfect hockey. And that's very difficult to do. Like I said, they outshot the Devils 33-18. to And if you heard yesterday's episode, the Devils came into the game second in the NHL in shot generation at 36.1 shots per game. They got half that in the game. The Flyers, or rather the Devils, came in as the second stingiest team at giving up shots in the game at 26.2 shots per game. Flyers got 33. But you come away on the wrong side of it with a 3-2 loss. And when you only score two goals a game, you just can't have any mistakes. Any mistakes. And there was a couple little mistakes in the third period. The play behind the net that gives the Devils the 2-1 lead uh, was the Dawson-Mercer play where Carter's trying to play the puck behind the net. It gets to him a little slower than he thought on the dump-in. And then there's a little bit of a miscommunication between him and Nick Sealer. And that puck ends up in the back of the net. And that's one of those ones, I know it's easy to look at that one and go, that's on heart. That's on a couple, that's on heart, and also on Nick Sealer. They have to communicate better on that play. But that happens, they go down 2-1, to one, and then the Jack Hughes goal, where he's able to beat Carter short side. Carter got a little flat along the goal line in his post lean there, and then uh, reverse VH, and leaves a little bit of room against that post and ends up in the back of the net. And that puts the Devils up 3-1. to one. Flyers get within one when Lucas Sedlak puts that puck with a lot of traffic. Uh, gets the goal. Gets him to 3-2. Sanheim and D'Angelo with the assist. And they throw everything in the final four and a half minutes at the Devil Netminder. Um, including the kitchen sink. Then they went and they got another one and threw it. Just couldn't get anything in to get the game tied up. And again, I thought they played a really good game. A really good game. Again, a couple little mistakes. Mistakes that ended up in the back of their net. But when you're a team that can't outscore your mistakes at all, and they can't outscore their mistakes right now at all, they don't have the firepower to outscore their mistakes. And we saw it once again. And that's the price you pay. When you're a team that only scores two goals a game, there is such little margin for error. For example, coming into the game last night, the Flyers were 1-8-3 in their last 12 games. And in those 12 games, they scored a total of 24 goals. So that's easy math, an average of two goals a game. They've given up 50 goals in that 12 games, which is an average of 4.16 goals allowed per game. Now, allowing or four goals for the winning team in a game is par for the course. But you just cannot survive scoring two goals. I mean, you look at, let's look at the games individually, really since the losing skid and now beyond. 
5-2 loss against Columbus, obviously only the two goals. A 4-1 loss against Ottawa. A 5-1 loss to the Dallas Stars. You have a couple outliers here. The 5-4 loss to Columbus, and there was also a 5-4 shootout loss to the Montreal Canadiens, where they scored four and lost the game. In between those two games, 4-1 loss against Boston. 5-2 loss against Calgary. 3-2 loss in overtime against the Caps. 4-1 loss against Pittsburgh. 5-2 loss against the Islanders. 3-1 win over the Islanders. And 4-1 loss against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Then last night, a 3-2 loss to the New Jersey Devils. Some teams can outscore mistakes in the regular season. Then they get to the playoffs and they have a hard time because you can't outscore mistakes in the playoffs. But if you can't score more than two goals in a game, this is what you're going to get. And and while I'm totally conflicted about what to feel about the game, the game, again, the structure, the details, the system, the puck support, the being on the right side of the puck, all of those things were there in the game. Ad nauseum. I mean, they outplayed the Devils significantly in the hockey game. And maybe they deserved a better fate. But when you can't score, you don't, how much do you deserve that better fate? Number one. But, and while I look at it and go, yeah, that was a really good game and there were so many good things about it, it's hard to have that feeling right now when coming into the game, they're 1 8 and 3 in their last 12, and now they've got one win in their last 13. So, it's a frustrating. It's, look, they're still missing some players. Hopefully Cam Atkinson is back on Monday against Colorado. Hopefully James Van Riemsdyk is coming back. Hopefully Wade Allison is coming back. And some help is on the way. But it's it's frustrating. When you've lost 12 of 13 games, there's no other way to feel about it. And you're going to hear John Tortorella's media availability in just a moment. And it's only lasts a couple of moments. And I think his frustration in, in the availability, and he says it at the end, my team played its ass off. And they did. He's absolutely right. He's not polishing something or, you know, saying something to pump up his team. I think he's angry after this game because he feels bad for those guys in that room that played a really good game but didn't get the result. And I will tell you, there was some frustration in that tunnel after the game. Um, these players are were angry after this loss. I won't go into more detail than that, but I will tell you, that there were some sticks flying in that hallway and some really angry players because they they worked so hard in that game, did so many things right, but ended up on the wrong side of it. But again, when you lose 12 out of 13, the overriding theme of that is that you're a team right now that can't put the puck in the net, and if you can't put the puck in the net more than two goals per game, you probably don't deserve to win many of those games. The game is about scoring and preventing scoring. And while they've done a decent job at preventing scoring, they haven't done nearly a good enough job of put of scoring and putting the puck in the net. Look, we understand part of that is injuries. Part of that is a lack of talent. Even if they were fully healthy, they would struggle to be in the top half of the NHL when it comes to scoring. The fact that they're injured and missing key guys that can poke the puck in the net, like Atkinson, who can give you 25 to 30 goals a year. Same thing with James Van Riemsdyk. And then obviously Sean Couturier, which we've known about for a while. It's going to be difficult. But it doesn't make it, it does not make it any less frustrating as a fan. 
when you've lost 12 of 13 games. And they're averaging, over that span, two goals a game. It's very frustrating. So let's hear from the head coach after the game, John Tortorella addressing the media, his brief and albeit very spicy thoughts. There he is, John Tortorella addressing the media after the Flyers lost 3-2 against the New Jersey Devils. That was game three of this five-game homestand. They'll be back in action coming up Monday. It's not going to get any easier on Monday. The Devils have been playing unbelievable hockey. Unbelievable. They have been so good. And it's stunning. I don't know if it's sustainable for the Devils. I really don't. But going into the game last night, in their last uh, 22 games, they had a record of 19-2-1. In that time, 86 goals for and 45 goals allowed. So you can tick that record up now to 22-1 and in their last 23 games. That's after they started the season 0-2. They lost to the Flyers 5-2 to start the season. They lost to the Detroit Red Wings 5-2 to start the season. Since then, 22-1. and Unbelievable. They got a lot of good young talent. They got some good veterans there. They've gotten good goaltending. And they're a team right now that certainly... I mean, they got a huge lead in the Metropolitan Division early in the season. Monster lead when it comes to the, the top spot. When you look at where they are right now, I mean, Carolina in second place in the division are 10 points back. They've got one game in hand. The Devils threw 25 games, 24-1, and 41 points. The Carolina Hurricanes, 24 games played, 13-6-5, 31 points. When you're just past the quarter marker, the quarter of the season, and you've got a 10-point lead in the standings over a good team in Carolina and 11 points over a good team in the New York Islanders who have 30 points in 25 games. That's a stunning gap. I mean, even as good as Boston is, and they're slightly better than the New Jersey Devils, they've only played 23 games. They have 40 points. Points percentage-wise, they're slightly better than the Devils. They're only four points up on the Lightning, but they do have three games in hand on the Lightning, but still. I mean, to have a 10-point lead in the division at this point is amazing. And when you think about going back to last year, they finished with 63 standings points last year. We all lived the flyer season last year. They finished with 61. And the Devils have made a monster jump through the first quarter of this season. So they get the win. Full value for them. You know, you got to be able to win different ways, and they found a way to get the win. Flyers just didn't have enough scoring to get the win, although they did play a very good game, structured game, really minimalized the, if that's a word, the ability for New Jersey to get inside and get a multitude of chances and good scoring chances. And I thought they, the support, the puck support in the D zone, being on the right side of the puck was all so good in the game. And it wasn't just the guys you would expect it to be, like Noah Cates or other guys that are defensively responsible. It was everybody. But they just come away with a 3-2 loss, and the pain continues for the Philadelphia Flyers. And they'll be back at it Monday to take on Colorado, Wednesday to take on the Washington Capitals, and that'll wrap up the five-game homestand. I do want to get to this one email because I asked the question about torts and the faith you have in torts. And Jody Angelis uh, t- uh, emailed me, rather, at jason.mertitis, J-A-S-O-N, dot M-Y-R-T-E-T-U-S at gmail.com. 
And he says, hi, Jason. Absolutely, Torts has won me over. I was not in favor of hiring him because from my perspective, he was someone that let his ego get in front of his teams. But now that I listen to him daily, and especially after this past Thursday's 12-1 presser, it's clear to me he is the right coach for this franchise. And he included a, a link to that um, specific uh, availability. And he said, now will Comcast and the Flyers brass, Fletcher and his group, buy into what Torts said? He said, I doubt it, especially after what Fletcher said right before Torts. However, from my perspective, the gauntlets have been thrown down. The lines in the sand have been drawn. I think the fans insecurely are securely behind Torts because he is saying what we all knew, know this franchise needs, a complete rebuild. My money and my hope is on Torts winning this battle. Thanks for all you do, Joe D. Joe, thanks for the note. And I understand in watching that media availability why you would think that the gauntlet has been thrown down um, because of, as you said, especially after what Fletcher said right before Torts. Fletcher spoke after Torts on that day. I know Torts said in that availability, I know some people came up here and said some things earlier. One of them was not the general manager because the general manager spoke after Torts on on 12-1. So that was my assumption too, that the GM must have spoken before, but that is not the case. Chuck Flatcher actually spoke after John Tortorella on that day. And... You know, Torts has been really clear. He's not going to give it a label. He's not going to call it a rebuild. Although he used terms like, you know, putting new footers in, you know, in a foundation of a house and all those things. He all but said it. We agree on that. But, you know, where they go from here and and how they build this. And Torts said, you know, they got to do it the right way. And even though there's pain, you can't abandon the mission of doing it the right way. I use the kind of the terminology of you can't microwave player development a lot. You can't take a player, pop them in the microwave, and in 60 seconds have them be ready to play in the NHL and expect it to be good. It's like you can't put a a leftover steak from a really nice place in the microwave and expect it to taste how it tastes when it's cooked properly on a grill or in a pan. It's not going to taste the same. It's not going to be as good. It does take time. And the same way in building a team, it does take time. Now, pending how your luck goes or how things play out, there's a lot of determining factors on the timetable of some kind of rebuild. You know, it's not only that you're bad, it's when you're bad. And what kind of luck you get in the lottery or with players or cap space, all those things, they all go into it. In when you're rebuilding a team, and that changes the timeline. Like the the New York Rangers put out the note to their fans saying they were going to rebuild, but then immediately were able to get Adam Fox and Artemi Panarin, who both wanted to play in New York, and they had Igor Shosturkin coming. So that obviously sped up their rebuild very quickly. They sold some pieces off. They cleared some contracts. They put themselves in position to get those players by having the cap space and those players wanting to play there. So it sped things up. But you have other situations, like in Buffalo, where they tore things down, got some pieces, didn't work, and they've been kind of going, not back and forth with a a rebuild, but it hasn't paid dividends like it did in New York so quickly. And I think part of that, too, is having Shesterkin has been a huge part of the 
acceleration of that rebuild for the New York Rangers. So thanks for the note, Joe. I really appreciate it. Great note as always. And uh, if you want to email me, you can do that at jason.mertitus, M-Y-R-T-E-T-U-S, at gmail.com. Or you can also DM me on Twitter, at Jason Mert. And uh, we will get to some of those as well. But join us tomorrow. It will be a Mondays with Meltzer, and there's a ton to discuss. So join us tomorrow for a Flyers Daily Edition with Bill Meltzer. We're going to do lots of different subjects. Maybe we'll do some Ask Billy questions as well. But everybody, enjoy your Sunday, and we will talk to you tomorrow on a brand-new edition of Flyers Daily.